Hello everyone and welcome to Corico's very own property podcast. My name is Andrew Montlake, you can call me Monty of course, and I shall be your host to guide you through and investigate the very latest in the world of mortgages, property and the general financial world. This week we're going to cover a range of issues, talking about first-time buyers, difficulties of getting on the property ladder and why is there still not a massive rush to remortgage. We will look at how consumers make their decisions in the state of financial education in general, and we're also going to look at how people can build wealth and secure their futures, and how technology is shaping the future. My guest today is Damien Fay, a visionary in the financial world, well respected for his views on, well, just about everything really, I think, Damien. Um, And Damien is a director and founder of the excellent website, moneytothemasses.com. Hello, Damien. Hello, Monty. Hello. Welcome. I'm very honoured and pleased to have you here. Um, we're also joined by the podcast stalwart, I think that's the uh, the name to call you, Matt Lowndes, who's our Corico's very own managing director. Hello, Matt. Hello, Monty. Um, so we're going to look at various topics and questions today. Uh, but first off, Damien, tell everyone a bit about bit about you, a bit about what your site does. I first met you in some shady pub quite a few years ago, really, where we talked passionately about education and the consumer and, and all things financial. And, uh, well, now you've got this incredible website. Well, it's interesting you say that because I only just remembered that we we met right at the beginning of the journey that uh, that started what is now MoneyToTheMasses.com. That's right, yeah. And um, so you call me a visionary. You must have seen something in there, Monty. <laughs> Maybe it was a beer. Maybe I it was another pint. Yeah. <laughs> so we, uh, yeah. So what happened to give people a background of what I do now? Um, I run a website called MoneyToTheMasses.com. So it's a personal finance website. But at, but at its core, it's really a website that's based around financial planning. So that means. Uh, mortgages, investing, pensions, uh, insurance, and and general financial planning. So where we started uh, about eight years ago now, when I first started writing moneytothemasses.com, it was just a blog. I worked in the uh, city doing financial advice for Mm -hmm. um, Magic Circle law firms. So I was working for a firm that did that. And I was more in the background, but did all the qualifications, etc. So you get to a point where you decide what you're going to do, where do you want to go, do you want to be front office? And I decided to start putting the knowledge I had out there for the general public mm. and for no gain, really, just to because I wanted to help. So fast forward four years from doing that, that blog in the evening became um, so big that it became a full-blown website. I quit my job. Uh, and end up running it as a business full time, which has now grown to uh, we have about a million people a year going wow. to come to the site. We don't pay for marketing other than we market a podcast that we yeah. have, and that is all about just giving people the answers to problems based around the things that financial advisors and mortgage advisors do. Mm. And that's what I liked. It was it was that passion to share. First of all, just the knowledge that you had that that you felt was lacking for the for the general public generally well one of the things at the time um it was sparked because i came back from paternity leave and you you know you have those moments where you think what am i doing and i couldn't afford my own hourly rate when i worked for the company in question which seemed ridiculous so and this was before the money advice service existed and in my own personal opinion i don't think the money advice service has done anything near what it could have done no Um, i think it duplicated a lot of stuff out there so i 
tried to just put out the information that people were paying for, but for free, and in an easy-to-understand way. So it's quite nice that you used the pub um, meeting point because the whole premise <laughs> That's where of the I way most of my business yeah days. the whole premise of it is that we i write and talk like your friend down the pub it's yeah. trying to make things accessible and not overcomplicate yeah. it which was exactly a match to when we started corico that was that was what we wanted to do is uh, there's so much jargon out there there's so much there's so much nonsense spouted that sometimes it's hard to cut through the uh all the all the stuff that's that's out there and actually talk to people in a way that they understand it. I mean, um, on that, the way I view the city generally, I'm a big advocate. So I'm one of the big advocates of financial uh, advice and point consumers towards it because they don't generally know when they need it. Mm. So if you're listening to this, I am, I'm not one of these people that isn't from the industry. I am from the industry of all the qualifications that you guys have. But... I have a, an element that's almost journalistic now. So I'm in the middle. I'm not sitting there chucking stones at the industry. I'm trying to get the best out of it. Yeah. So the problem with the industry was, less so now, but it still is, is that they would have an element of you had to pay someone to find out what they knew. And I yeah. tried to turn that on its head by telling you yeah. what I knew and go from there. And actually mm. what happens, if you tell people what you know, it actually encourages them to they believe in you and then they mm. say well can you can you do my finances yeah. that's what happened and yeah. really that's where it all stemmed from yeah you share you, you you share the same the same actually i've just just come from a meeting with an hr director of a of a large firm and they and they said the problem with their um, employees is where finance is concerned certainly around mortgages they don't know who to ask they don't know who to turn to the mortgage broker seems to come along later when they've actually found a property and then they think oh how am I going to pay for it but that very early bit they don't know who to ask and more and more are actually asking their employers questions and the employers don't know the answer so it's uh it's an interesting little conundrum there so so we're trying to do the same thing and put out as much information as possible for people to gain that knowledge and understand even which questions are the right ones to ask I mean that's a good point from where I am I've with all those people that come and have the interactions with us, you start to see some of the um, the way the industry can help itself, why, the way it positions itself. Yeah. So, for example, for mortgage brokers, you, you do come along at a certain point, but if you imagine the estate agents sell a dream, right? So you go there, they sell you the dream, but the mortgage broker is who makes it happen. Yeah. And the problem is that consumers don't really get that. They That's think right. the dream's yeah. there and it's achievable, and therefore the mortgage broker adds that bit of realism, and sometimes yeah. that's not always good for them because <laughs> a bit of realism, we all need it. Yeah. But that's what a, a lot of what the financial education, I think, comes from as well, what we do, is just to show the, the strengths of what guys like you can offer because people tend, tend to think I, that the old days of where... It was always see the people do the business for financial advisors, etc. And it's no longer, it's not quite like that anymore. And I think people need to be educated, but no one's doing it because yeah. a lot of journalism is still based on what used to happen. Yeah, yeah. Matt, I know you've got views on this and where, where, the, where the education part is. And, and actually, we, what we're trying to do is move brokers to the, to the start of the process rather than the, no, oh, damn, I need to pay for it right, now. Because... Arguably, we're parachuted in at the last minute when somebody has has you know spent twelve months trying to find somewhere, and 
and hasn't got the ducks in a row and mm. hasn't worked out they needed to have this statement done that statement done they needed to be on the voters roll you know they 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 they've not they've not done what they needed to do to be to be mm. in the best position to buy so um yeah i mean that's a huge passion of ours i mean we we've looked at stuff and sometimes the incubation period could be 2 years when we get a referral and then before they you know they come onto our website or they've been passed over by somebody it could be 2 years before they actually do something so there's, yeah. a, there's a huge period there where you where you, where you need to educate people and yeah, that's a that's a huge passion of ours. I know, you know, we the people are getting older before they buy, so therefore, you know, mum and dads aren't often teaching their kids about finance. I mean, mm. you know, you talk about it to the kids at school. My kids never get any kind of financial education. When I was at school, I remember the local bank manager coming in explaining how the old-fashioned banking system worked, that we, yeah. we take money in on savings and then we lend it out to people on mortgages, right? Do they yeah. even do that anymore? None, none of this securitisation <laughs> and all the other nonsense that we've heard yeah. about that's caused, caused uh, mayhem. But, but that's something we passionately believe. It's quite, it's quite, it's quite interesting listening to Damien. It's, it's almost a shared passion there of what I think Corico needs to become. I mean, it already does it, but it needs to do more of it. Um, and, and I would argue that we even need to go a bit younger than than mm. than anybody that's able to buy a house. I, you know, if I had my way, we'd be doing stuff in schools and educating yeah, kids of, about about financial services because because yeah. I, I just don't think people have a clue. So, who de- whose responsibility do you think this financial education is? Is it should should the government be doing more? I mean, they introduce something into the curriculum, or actually, as an industry representing this industry, it, it's it's got to be our job to to get in there and educate people yeah, earlier. I, I think it would be a wonderful world if the government did it. But I just think the that realistically, what tends to happen when when I started doing money to the masses, they got to a point where you would give people all this wonderful information and you would empower them and educate them and they know what they want to do. And she's taken the horse to water, mm. but you can't let it drink. Yeah. And so there is a point where you have to do that. And a government is never going to set up a, uh, an institution that's probably going to be funded by financial advisors like yeah. the uh, Money Advice Service was that will ultimately compete. Yeah. So I think it will always end up being the industry that will have to do it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with the industry in a way uh, taking that on board. The problem is it's a very slow burner in terms of education. I think there's a lot of people out there who would probably like to educate younger people more, but mm. it it takes time, it costs money, and therefore there isn't that instant return. But I do think as a as a industry, we should have a collective responsibility. Mm. How do you think, do you get, you deal with the press a lot? How, how do, you, do you get a sense of, how do they see the financial services industry these days? Do they see it as a, as a positive? It's, uh, you know, advisors are much more trusted than the the evil banks um or i i think where the it's easy if you're a journalist to take a slightly negative view on this stuff because it sells and i think sometimes they they do tend to uh, reinforce some old stereotypes but i do think generally they are getting better because there are more things to point people towards, so yeah. like you guys, or it would be a calculator online. There are more resources that they can point to. And, of course, a lot of journalism now is online, and so therefore they can be part of the journey rather than just this thing on the side. They are yeah, more immersed in the journey of how people discover what they need to do. Because the thing is, a lot of people don't know what they don't know. Yeah, and It sounds silly, but they, yeah. they, the, the solution to their problem may be a completely different thing to what they were thinking. So they could, for example, be wanting more money, wanting to do something, 
build an extension or what it could be something they not realize that remortgaging is actually the solution yeah and i think we sometimes as an industry we forget how much we know i think we assume everyone's got this base level of understanding 100 yeah. percent. but they but they don't and sometimes you have to go right back to basics totally yeah. agree absolutely totally agree Oh, we found that in our doing first time we do first time buyer presentations around different companies in London. And uh, and actually since we started doing it, we found ourselves simplifying our presentation each time to we actually now start with the first slide is what is a mortgage. It it really is starting from that that type of area now because the the questions are they're sensible, good questions, but we assume they know a certain amount and they don't. I mean, I'll, I'll throw something random out there on financial education that I also think we should educate older people. Yeah. And the reason I think that is because through everything you learn as you grow up is via your older generation. Yeah. And so a lot of people with money will go and ask their parents, especially when they're young, about what to do. So any problems or any mistakes that the your parents make are reinforced because you always trust, you're more likely to trust your friends and your family rather than something you probably read online or a mortgage yeah. broker. Yeah. So sometimes I do think that we cast the older generation who perhaps don't have mortgages yeah. anymore onto the scrap heap as if they're, they're done and dusted. But some of that, they do filter down, oh, you should always buy property. That's yeah. one. Oh, everyone, you must buy, don't invest, buy property. All these things that I think the world's moved on a bit. And I, they don't necessarily realise some of the solutions like you guys can offer and everybody else out there, mm. that therefore they will always do things the way they've always been done. Mm. But from the people who come to your website, what where property and mortgages are mm. concerned, what are, do you see a lot of first-time buyer questions or is it a lot of people remortgaging or, or actually not understanding when to remortgage or why they should? Or It's interesting because when we... When you write something online and you put it out there, you you have a picture of who that person is. And after doing this for probably about five years, we decided to work out who the people were. Yeah. And there were no one like, they were not like the people I thought they were. <laughs> I, I thought they were all young. I hit yeah. the term millennials. I did. But actually the average Hip age is between 35 and 55. Right. And when you think about it, that's kind of obvious in hindsight because that's the point where they have money and they've got a bit more... Uh, disposable income because maybe their children are a little bit older or something like that so there is a whole I mean I'd love your guys views or anybody's views on how you get people who are in that millennial bracket to be engaged with with money because I don't think it's as easy as people think they assume that if you make something really hip and trendy and slick Mm. but the one thing I would say from the general trends that we see that if you can give people a journey they will opt for that rather than the old-fashioned way of necessarily speaking to someone. They will try and go, if they're online, they will try and stay online until they are almost forced to have to come offline. Because yeah. they do a lot of research, and that's the point at which you can interact with them. Yeah. Matt, does that sound like it holds true with you? I mean, we've just built, or you've just built, <laughs> or you're just building. I've built it. You facilitated the building of a new system. Is that... Um, yeah, I guess... Um, I fundamentally agree with Damon there in terms of uh, the journey will start online. I think because a mortgage transaction is quite complicated, I do think at some point they will jump offline and jump onto a phone call or jump onto want to have to have a meeting with us or something. But um, I think, guess from our point of view, you know, if it's a remortgage, then 
It's a bit of a simpler transaction. Arguably, somebody would have done it two or three years earlier, and they're, if they're not capital raising and they're not building an extension, they're not trying to put the loft on, then then it might be just a simple transaction. Where normally, their bank will have written to them. So I guess one of the things we, we try and do is to say, look, your bank is going to write to you. Just make sure that it's the right thing to do because, you know, is the term right? You know, should you be taking a little bit out? Should you be paying a bit down? Should you be on an offset mortgage? So even if somebody thinks that's a simpler transaction, I still think it's it's yes. part of our duty and our job to to, to educate them. Yeah. In, in, in Simple what... doesn't necessarily mean best. Does <clears throat> it certainly doesn't, no. Yeah. And, and I guess that's where the advice piece comes in. I think the advice piece is still incredibly important. However you get that to them, whether that is just following a journey, whether it's a gamification type thing for younger people who need to learn, I think there's, there's some validity in that. The... Arguably, the only thing we ever play that you learn about a mortgage or rent is Monopoly. Uh, so you know, you, yeah. you know, you literally have to buy a house. <laughs> That's and, true, actually. Uh, it's probably I mean, the only that is true. Yeah, mortgage yeah. Monopoly. Exactly. So, so yeah. it's probably the only time you know you, yeah. that you that you've ever had to learn when you're young. And I think there's a way to gamify. Yeah, you can mortgage your house, can't you? Right. Yeah, you can mortgage it, and you can take, you know, you can get yeah. your hotel and whatever you need yeah. to do. So I think there is a there is a way to 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 bring that to life that. I've, not something we've done yet, but it, I definitely think it's something that you, you could do in terms of an educational piece, certainly to younger people. Um, what else? I mean, we, we've um, we just we just think that whatever the channel somebody wants to be able to communicate with you, we've we've got to be there because yeah. you know we can't just assume, like Damien said, that someone wants to do it all online. We can't assume that they want to do it on the telephone. We can't all assume that they want to do it in a face-to-face meeting. So we've got to provide. You know, a journey that allows people to jump in and out of different different channels in order to communicate with us, and I think yeah. that's that's something that, you know, that I think we 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 will have to learn over, over the coming months when when we do when our thing does fully go live. Yeah. So you heard it here first: a Corico sponsored Monopoly type game. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was interested in something you said, Damien, earlier when we were talking about remortgages, just generically. You mm-hmm. said. You said there was a wall of people waiting to do something, yeah. Um, but they they don't seem to be. You know, I mean, the Bank of England couldn't have talked up the next rate rise anymore. Um, why do you think that is? Why are people still waiting in the wings and and not doing anything? It's over the years that we've been doing this. One of the most read articles that we talk about and we update continues to do with interest rates, and it is probably the. The biggest concern, if I had to categorise them, whether it's talking about retirement or anything, is mortgage rates going up. But it's the one where people take the least amount of action. And the reason, I think, is that people are partly unsure about rates going up and they'd rather wait until they do. Once it, once rates start going up more aggressively, mm. you're going to see loads of people jump on it. Yeah. I mean, people are scared as well. Oh, scared in terms of... Oh God! I did not pay my mo- my mobile phone bill, or I, de- or, you know, oh, I haven't got much money in the bank. And I, what's going to happen if? You know, do you think people are just sitting sort of like with almost apathy of what they do need to? Yeah, and I think you're right because one of the problems, if you think going back the last few years in particular, we've had Mark Carney talk about interest rates going up. He's been likened to the unreliable boyfriend, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. everything he says doesn't, doesn't seem to come yeah, to true, yeah. come true. And but he is moving markets. But, he, but he's by moving. Doing that. But he's moving yeah. markets. But of course, if you keep telling somebody something enough, and they think well, it never goes up, yeah, the boy who cried wolf. Isn't yeah, it? and of course, what you're having now is there's there are people who are the first time buyers, for example, uh, who've never remortgaged because they didn't need to. 
and I write about money, I'm fully aware about how everything works and educate people about this. I've lived in my house for 10 years and of course it was the one time where T's and C's worked in consumers' favour because when rates got cut, you end up paying a bottom rate on a mortgage. Yeah. Now they've sat there and thought this is wonderful and so it's not until they see that go because like me, you get to the point where you were so much better off than when you took the mortgage. Yeah. They're not incentivised to move but a good point. They're, they're almost gambling you know when they're sort of waiting yeah. and they think they can get out before it blows up yeah and so what i think will happen is that when rates go up more quickly and they start seeing their mortgage jump up a hundred pound a month and stuff like that then they'll start to remortgage which of course is the wrong time because mm. then all the deals go but <clears throat> a few years ago i i got taken to York of all places to do one of these Vox Pop things for, right, yeah. for ITV. I don't know. It was the point where everyone was convinced rates were going to go up. <laughs> yeah, and it was yeah. it was three years ago, so it shows you yeah. nothing really had changed. Yeah, yeah. I they remember didn't. that. And we went round and had to interview people all day. And sh- I had this calculator. I had to show them how much their mortgage would go up by because they didn't know how much their mortgage would go up by. So that's the first problem. Yeah. So therefore, how can you be afraid of something you can't even quantify? Yeah. And then the second one was that when they did know they were thinking oh well i'll just wait until they probably go up the first time and then remortgage well that just means that nobody does anything so we're seeing though this what's odd is we're seeing the opposite in terms of the amount of people who are questioning looking for information about when they're going up using calculators that will start to show how much their mortgage Mm. goes up and that is increasing at quite a rapid rate so I've been for the last few years. So we convinced. could be, you could be proactive on that then, as 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 a Corico, we could be proactive to our clients and you know regularly sending them an update saying if rates were X, or this is what your rate is, or this is what the house price index says your house is now worth. You could be much more proactive with your clients, I guess, than just waiting for them Absolutely. two or three years or four years. I mean, that's that that's that's got to be a good use of technology to be able to communicate with those guys and give them a bit more information. That's relevant rather than having to pick the phone up all the time i guess absolutely because if you could tell somebody just that bullet point information on an email and they know that oh well, carico going to tell me every now and then what it's going to be and and what the rates are because no one knows what the best rates are no. and i know that you of can course get it's very personal rates, you? yeah you indicative but that's what people want to see yeah if you gave them that it's a very simple thing to do but it's what they're looking for mm. so i don't know anyone who does it we we do it in a general sense but it's not personalized in no. way so that would be I mean, I would sign up to somebody who did that and yeah. then you think you're more likely to do the mortgage, aren't you? Because you're getting information continually for years from them. Yeah, exactly. But you also won't unsubscribe. Yeah. Because you're adding value. Yeah. That's right. I mean, and that's uh, that's actually brings me on to the next question about adding value and, and how do you create this consumer brand in the industry? And something else you said earlier was that there, there seems to be, you get the, the feeling that there's no real brand loyalty in fa- financial services at all. How do you how do you build that brand loyalty? I, I think what I was referring to there is that I'm not sure people well they don't they don't they don't really care where the financial product comes from. The the personal thing still exists. Yeah. So they will like their mortgage advisor or financial advisor. Those personal interactions are still as important as ever. But the the product where it comes from is is less so do you think that's becoming commoditized in what way do you mean like a, a mortgage i mean we, we talked earlier before we started it's like no one really cares where you're if you're buying a house no one really cares where the what what the product is do they that the, that's or the or the provider of that product in order to help them facilitate the transaction 
No. And I mean, so, you get any odd person who goes, well, what, really, am I going to take a mortgage out with X Bank? And you're like, who are they? And you're like, you say, oh, okay, fine. If that's the right, if you're telling me that's the right thing to do, then that's absolutely fine. Yeah, and I think you're right, because all they're doing is they're focusing on the, the, the problem they've got and the solution, however you get there, is largely, um, I, I think it's less relevant because people don't go to their bank. When was the last time you went to a branch went to a bank to do anything yeah and if I think <laughs> don't get Matt started on this me. <laughs> business banking mate we spent five hours in a branch the other day uh, yeah. trying to do something so yeah, it's See, business just not banking, pretty we've had a similar thing <laughs> <laughs> the idea of moving it. that's so, a whole separate uh, podcast uh, believe uh, me uh, there you said it's the only time I've been in a bank <laughs> and I had to go in there and I had to show what, a signature for, for this and anyway but people just, I don't think generally care as long as it solves a problem mm. but if you're the problem solver then that's where the value comes from so for you guys if you're solving the problem the whole time with a yeah. minimum amount of problems and effort on their part that's where you um get the the sort of kudos and yeah. people come back and yeah. loyalty i'll give you an example on our website people assume that we have a website that's about finance you have to have millions of interactions that keep coming back yeah Generally, our interactions, if people read two pages, because we give them the answer, so therefore they come in for a problem. If you get them to the solution, wonderful. And actually, that I, I'm talking about my own brand as well, so they'll go through and get there. If you probably ask them how they ultimately researched what they were going to do and decided that, um, where they might take a mortgage or invest or anything like that, they might not remember me, but it doesn't really matter because they might end up coming back at some point yeah. or they might recommend you to a friend. But I think with brands generally i think if you give away information i think you can get trust i think trust is the big thing in finance which yeah. i think people have lost and if you can build trust that's more Absolutely. more more important yeah. than you'll get the loyalty yeah but i think if people can trust you trust you, first yeah yeah because right. that comes yeah i that is a is a biased brand man i, I passionately believe we can build a build a, a brand that's recognized and, tr- and trusted but then we're not we're not ultimately a product provider, and I think that I agree. the The actual product providers probably have more of an issue um, than someone like us, where actually we're providing advice and we're hand holding and we're uh, providing a relationship with them. Well, I was for, worried a few weeks whole... ago about some of these big internet companies coming in and yeah, you know, and looking after clients. But after the last few weeks, I'm, I'm not sure that they're quite as trusted. No, I don't trusted think, as they were I don't previously. Think people all go uh, put their current account with Facebook or. Uh, someone like that anymore um so there, there does seem to be a whole swing away from that now whether people actually you know whether i'm still actually, on facebook exactly whether people actually do go and close <laughs> stuff down and, and but i mean you know with the, with the data check regulatory changes that are coming um people should be aware of their data and they should be aware of where it is and what mm. people do with it so you know that's 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 i guess that's the biggest that's the biggest thing that's going to be around at the moment in terms of trust is who's got my data and what are they doing with it yeah and that goes equally as well for your voting intentions as it does for your, uh, where, you know, yeah. where, where you should be, where, where you should, you know, whether you're being targeted with certain products because of, you know, somebody's allowed your open banking data to be passed on yeah. to somebody else. Um, so I, I'm interested in, in hearing about your um, wealth building. Uh, so so you, you have a section, was it the 80-20 is it how how does that work? How how do you encourage people to build wealth who might have thought actually? Do you know what? For me to see a financial advisor will cost me too much. I'm not going to bother about it. Is it? Yeah. So what we did is, if you imagine this a, a spectrum, 
of people they're trying to invest. So they've got the the GSI, get someone in. So that'll be the financial advisor. They don't know how they're doing it. A bit like me when I'm decorating. You'd get someone in, you pay them, and the value is that you don't have to spend the time worrying yeah. about it. So judging value is something that only the consumer can do. The sort mm. of it, value is in the eye of the, of, of the beholder, the person who pays it. So you can't... It could be for different people. So there are people who don't value some of the advice that they may be given or the ongoing service. So what they want is something that's DIY. So they will go right down the other end and they may pick their own funds or they may want to. Now, somewhere in the middle, you've got the new Robo, uh, Robo's out there. So yeah. there's lots of brands. You see them on the tube. I'm not going to name them. And they are probably some sort of hybrid. They're actually more, less advice. They're more down just giving you a couple of funds to yeah. get from. That's yeah. really what they are. Yeah. Um, so... Looking at that spectrum, we encourage people to choose the one that suits them. We try and educate them how they might uh, go about making that decision. But then what happens is a point where you could teach somebody how to choose funds. That's what I used to do for a living before I did Money to the Masses. I used to build portfolios of investments for right, clients. Yeah. And, that's, that's, that, and I loved it. I was, I was kind of a technical guy in the background. Yeah. And so what people consumers want is they want to know um there's a gap there that they want to know how to do that how do we do it it's not as hard as people think it is actually far simpler most financial advisors out there will just pick funds off a list that they're given that is probably a best buy list of some kind they're not very good at the research (laughs) side of things they've got too much time doing the advice on the financial planning so consumers can sometimes do a better job so what we did is we went out there and said well let's commoditize that let's build a product that enables people to make their own decisions quickly effectively so how they can screen funds down pick mm-hmm. the ones they want and it's as part of it is about a big education piece what we do is we also do research pieces so yeah. i might t- t- do a whole research piece around um funds that will do that might hold up in a stock market route or yeah. something a bond market route or brexit or something like that so you show people how to become and listen do that job and if they can if you can empower them to do that then they can go and choose whatever they want they could build yeah. their own portfolio so i'm not yeah. giving them one yeah. i do run a portfolio on there to, yeah. uh, to prove that i'm not just talking nonsense to say <laughs> right. show yeah. that that you can outperform the the geniuses in the professional world because yeah. don't forget they are held back by the fact that they charge huge fees so you don't have to do, yeah. you don't have to pay them. They also have to invest. You don't have to. You can hold cash if you want. So it's showing people the tools and um, very easy ways of being able to pick funds. And the worst thing you can do with investing, in my opinion, is buy and hold. Mm. That whole thing of buying and hold is actually uh, partly something that was put out there by the industry. If you're getting paid a percentage of someone's money, you don't want them to move it to another manager. No. Neil Woodford's not going to ring you up and say, do you know what, Monty? My fund's not done very well last year and I'm getting a battery in the press you need to sell. That's just <laughs> yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. He's going to just probably do a, a video apologising and, and there you go. So yeah. it's trying to educate people. And then, of course, they may progress from that and they may progress to the point where they go, do you know what? I'm going to do even more myself or I'm, I like doing this for a while. I'm going to get someone in and get financial advice. So that was the whole idea of 8020. Yeah, the name was from the Pareto principle, which yeah. is the 80% of your returns from 20% of your effort. So yeah. that was the idea behind it. So um, it's putting all those tools together and enable people to use platforms. So putting it all the way back to people who probably listen to this podcast and you guys, it was just taking an expertise that I had 
and could I put it and commoditize it so there was no limit on how many people could yeah. use it. And that is the only product that we have that is a subscription product. Mm. So it's like subscribing to like you would to a magazine that yeah. gives you that information. Yeah. So we all the other things we do idea. on the site is we may make people point them in the direction of other services, but that's the, the main one. Yeah. Very good. Very interesting. So if you're interested in, in looking at that then uh, check out the money to the money to the masses dot com website. Um I think we're nearly out of time. So there you go. The time flies by. It Thirty does. minutes, just like that. Um so Matt, anything you anything to add? I don't know how much of my subscription subscription to eighty twenty. How much is a subscription? Yeah. I don't know. Wait. It works what? out. <laughs> <laughs> don't let, don't ask me. Ask Fabian. <laughs> you can get it for twelve pound fifty a month. That's the equivalent. So you get a biannual membership. Very good. So there you go. Everyone uses the. Can you sort out my of... Bitcoin? No, I wouldn't no. Touch Bitcoin. <laughs> I've got one. I don't know what the hell to do with it. I tried to sell it. I tried to sell half of it the other day, and uh, yeah, that didn't work. Anyway, um, so there you go. I think we're done. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you, Damien. Uh, Really glad you came and uh, thank you for imparting your pearls of wisdom. Um, thank you all to, for listening and uh, we'll be back next month with some more topical chat. So if you've got any comments or requests for topics to cover in future episodes, please feel free to contact us on Twitter at Corico or through our website www.corico.co.uk. And if you want to check out Damien's site, it is moneytothemasses.com. Thank you very much. Until next time, this is the Corico Property Podcast. Mm-hmm.